Welcome to Westview. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And we are here to talk about episode two of WandaVision. Which is just called episode two, but I am proposing we call this one Bothered and Bewildered. It's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so we're moving from the Dick Van Dyke show into into Bewitched. Yeah, more more of a Bewitched motif. I mean, to be clear... These episodes are drawing on a lot of influences, but this one is heavily bewitched. Yes. And, yeah, there were some bewitched in the last episode, too. It's inevitable one of the characters is a A witch. A witch. Yeah, so we're probably going to get a lot of uh, bewitched in a lot of it. This episode opens with Wanda waking from sleep because she hears a noise outside. She and the Vision are in their bedroom. They have separate beds. Yes, old school. They're sleeping in two separate twin beds. So there's a banging outside, and Vision mentions that at work, some of his co-workers have mentioned that there are some unsavory characters lurking about the neighborhood. And then they realize that they are, in fact, the unsavory characters who are being spoken of. And uh, to show their unsavoriness, Wanda uses her magic to... Pull their beds together. Yes. So we've gone from the 50s to the 60s as she pulls their beds together. Mm. Mm. I know it's much more obvious to jump ahead to the end of this episode that they go from black and white to color to Mm. show that we've moved on arrow-wise. But I think the twin bed to a, you know, double bed... Is also an indicator that we've moved decades. Note that this starts as a fear thing. She's scared by the knocking at the window, which makes her pull the beds together. Right. Almost subconsciously. It doesn't seem to be like a deliberate thing on her on her part. Right. So after going back and forth about who's going to go see what that noise is that's scaring them both, Wanda looks out the window and sees that it is a tree branch. A tree branch hitting against the window and everything is fine no need to worry visions like well it it, at least it gave at least that little interruption gave us the chance to redecorate meaning the bed and wanda's like you're right it is better like this and she snaps and the bed turns from two twin beds pushed together to a single bed a single large bed And then we get the Bewitched parody opening, which I love so much. Yes, the animated opening showing Wanda and the Vision going about their morning. It's pretty great. Also, we see in this animated opening, Geraldine, who we won't meet until this episode, but she is in the grocery store shopping when Wanda is shopping in the the opening credits. Mm Mm-hmm. We also get a little confirmation in the opening. Vision is at the water cooler with Norm. Norm takes a drink and Vision throws it over his shoulder because Vision is not able to ingest food. Yes, the Vision cannot eat or drink. He mentioned the last episode that he does not eat, but this shows us that he can't. And we start the episode proper after the cold open with... Vision practicing a magic act, a prestidigitation act. Mm. Yes, Wanda and the Vision are preparing a magic act for their neighborhood's talent show, which is apparently an important fundraiser for 
the children. Yes, we haven't actually started to get that line yet, but it is for the children. Something that is repeated a lot in this episode. Well, I mean, I think that's pretty important, right? Because we're really going to focus, especially given how this episode ends, on Wanda's pregnancy, right? This is, in fact, all for the children. Hmm. You mentioned last episode that the comic that this takes a lot from, Year in the Life, has Wanda's pregnancy that has influenced the next 20 years of Marvel Comics, essentially. I love how over the top the writer went when establishing Wanda's pregnancy, that it was a legitimate, real pregnancy that would result in a real baby. Yeah, they really laid the, like, no retcon groundwork, and future writers were like, we'll just retcon this, don't worry. She has this entire giant-ass conversation with Doctor Strange, where she confirms that she is actually pregnant with actual babies. It's actually kind of cartoonish how deep into, please do not retcon this, I want this character to have actual children, the scene is. Yes. But the two of them are doing this stage show for the children as part of a neighborhood charity thing. And it's a magic act. And they have magic code names. They do. They have magic stage names. Mm. Glamour and Illusion. Which is yet another reference to Year in the Life. Uh, Wanda's neighbors in Year in the Life were a couple of mutants who used their very low-level mutations to uh, do a magic act. Yes, which they pretended was magic and not their mutant abilities. Yeah. And that's what's going on here. Vision asks Wanda if she doesn't think people are going to see how the tricks are done. And she says that's the point. The point is for them to think that it's a trick. And, And in this case it is. They have the magic cabinet that... Gave Job so much trouble in the pilot episode of Arrested Development Mm, mm. with the little back that swivels around. I know that's a real magic device, but yes. They don't let you have bees in here, he said significantly for later in the episode. Yes, another Arrested Development quote that will come up. Anyway, Wanda tells Vision that she's going to go to a neighborhood meeting regarding this fundraiser. And he's going to go to the library and join the Neighborhood Watch and keep them safe from all of those errant tree branches. It's it's very cute. I do like how much the pace has picked up in this episode because we've changed eras of comedy. Mm-hmm. So before there were a lot of pauses to let things land. The uh, The jokes kind of came through slower and we're starting to see more rapid-fire delivery, there's sort of uh, more uh, kinetic exchanges. Mm -hmm. We're getting more towards the modern age of comedy. Obviously, we're not there yet, but I feel like in the modern era, it's an era of, like, rapid-fire, one-after-another jokes. Mm -hmm. And so if that's on a spectrum, we've moved one decade closer to where we are now. Yes, We talked last week about the way this show shifts between sitcom and sinister. Mm -hmm. And it has that shift now. We zoom in very close to Wanda's face as she realizes something and heads out into the front yard where she sees a toy helicopter that is colorized, despite the fact that this 
episode is in black and white, the toy helicopter that she sees is red and yellow, stark colors. Mm. Yeah. It's a very shiny, stark looking, stark as in Tony Stark. Yes. Stark looking helicopter. And she picks it up to examine it and she looks up to the window where the tree branch was hitting because she thinks maybe it wasn't the tree branch. Maybe it was this helicopter. And she examines it and we see that it has the sword symbol from last week and also the number 57. I don't know if there's a significance to that. I don't either. I really feel like I should have gone back into my archives and seen like what I could find here because there's there's a lot of secret organizations in Marvel. Because we are doing this podcast, I'm specifically avoiding anything, any articles that might talk about this show or talk about Easter eggs. So the only Easter eggs we will be able to reveal to you are the ones we happen to know. Mm -hmm. So if you have read those articles, you may know what that 57 might portend, but I am in the dark. So this little break in the sitcom formula is interrupted by Agnes, who says, look, it's the star of the show. I love this. I I love Agnes so much. God, I I know it has to be Agatha Harkness. Yeah. I really don't want this to be a fake out. I don't want this to be a Mandarin style fake out where it turns out, oh, there was no uh, Mandarin. It was always Justin Hammer. I find it impossible to believe this is anyone other than Agatha Harkness. Although she reveals that what she means by the star of the show is that she brought her rabbit, her rabbit over for Wanda to borrow to use in the magic act. Mm. I, I mean, obviously... It's an unsettling moment, and I think the question is, does Agnes mean to unsettle Wanda, or are the writers just trying to unsettle us? Hmm. God, Catherine Hahn is so talented. Oh, she really is. She's she's great in everything she's in. I'll admit to sometimes confusing her with Anna Geiseheyer. Geiseheyer? Yeah, yeah, they're... They look really, really alike. Well, and they have a very similar type. Yeah. They play really similar characters. They go out for the same roles, I'm sure. Yeah. If you've watched Reefer Madness, the musical, Mm -hmm. you'll recognize a lot of these character tics in, you know, May, who was not played by Catherine Hahn. So, okay. Then there was this really weird moment where the mailman walks past the door And Agatha, like, points her finger guns at him. Agnes. Agatha. Agnes points her finger guns at him and is like, stick him up! And the mailman says, don't shoot, I'm just a messenger. And she goes, pew pew! What is happening? What in the world is that? It's such a weird moment. And then he moves on and she kind of checks him out and she's like, hmm. She is still married in this new permutation. It feels like a real expansion of the universe from the first episode, which makes it feel like it's a new show. Yes, it feels like a new show. Things are different, but we do have the same characters from last week. I think part of it is the expansion of the world. We were basically limited to two sets in the last episode. Right. Last episode, we were in Vision's office, or Vision's work area, 
and the living room and the kitchen, and we literally went nowhere else. Now, Agnes has come to take Wanda out. Out. She's uh, she's out of the house now. It, it, it feels like a real expansion of the world. Yes, absolutely. She's taking Wanda to meet the queen of the cul-de-sac, mm. the woman who controls all of the other housewives. I'm not saying it's Mephisto. I'm not saying it's Mephisto. Well, let's look. Can, can we say who it is? Yes, it is uh, Emma Caulfield. Yes. And I mean, I wasn't surprised to see Emma Caulfield since she stars in the movie Timer, which I mentioned last time, and which is obviously a movie that was a labor of love for the people involved. And of course, showrunner for this show, Jack Schaefer wrote and directed Timer, so that all makes sense. That yeah. all tracks. Yeah. That Emma Caulfield would show up in this amazing role. By the way, it's kind of interesting that in A Year in the Life, Agatha Harkness was burned at the stake. Mm-hmm. Because here Agnes is the one delivering sick burns. Oh, yes. Okay, so she tells Wanda that she needs to do her best to... Get in good with the queen of the cul-de-sac, whose name is Dottie. She tells her, I need to warn you. And Wanda's like, is it about how I'm dressed? And she's like, no, it's too late to do anything about that. Wanda says, I'll just be myself. And Agnes is like, oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> oh. Uh, so we get the crew. We get Emma Caulfield's character, Dottie. And we have uh, the other women. There are, I think, two other women who are given names here. There's a few women, but I think the two that are given names are Bev and Geraldine. Mm -hmm. And I just want to point out that both of these women are women that it might be unusual to see in a 1960s sitcom. Yeah. Uh, Geraldine, because she's black, and Bev, because she's Japanese, and also she's... A bigger woman, which you don't see a lot of on TV. Yeah. We've been, uh, I, we mentioned it last episode, we've been watching a lot of Bewitched to sort of prepare for the show. And there are the occasional non-white actors, but they don't normally get stuff to do or more than a background role, really. I mean, honestly, because of what this show is, and especially this scene... And how everything is set up. I couldn't help but think of the Stepford Wives. And I'm not sure if you're aware, but the end of the Stepford Wives involves a black family moving to town. I was not. Well, and then the very last disturbing sequence in the Stepford Wives is us seeing, you know, the main woman that we've been following. Except clearly now she is... A robot. A robot. Meeting up with the the black woman who's moved to town, who has also clearly been turned into a robot in the grocery store. Ugh. Yeah, it's a, but the race is specifically an issue there. Like the race is specifically placed there to make it about the need to conform to. Yeah, the the pressure the pressure put on people to conform to these suburbs exactly. Hmm. 
So uh, you're talking about, of course, the classic Stepford Wives, not the uh, one that came out in the what late '90s, early 2000s. Yes, that is correct. <laughs> and of course, the scenes with Geraldine just really made me think of when she first comes to town. The our, our main our main girl in Stepford Wives is like, oh my god, a woman who's not a Stepford wife, somebody I can actually talk to and communicate with. So seeing them at the end both turned into robots is is even more disturbing yes shocking disturbing there's also a moment coming up in this scene where wanda connects with geraldine in a oh my god somebody else who is not totally bought into this moment something i feel that is worth mentioning it gets brought up later in the scene but why not talk about it now wanda is the only one wearing pants yes well i mean that was when agatha said Agnes, (laughs) Agnes, <laughs> when Agnes said, yes, your outfit is inappropriate, but it's too late to do anything about it now. Yeah, Wanda's the only one wearing pants. Everyone else is in dresses. So Bev is talking about something that she set up for the show, and she's forgotten a detail and is taken to task for it uh, by... Dottie. By Dottie. Yes, she has prepared, the gazebo has been painted, the decorations are ready, the tables are good to go, and she forgot to ask about the chairs, so Dottie will not be letting her chair another committee. Yeah, cue really bitchy laughter. I like how this scene connects to the office scene that we got at this point in last episode, right? So... We had the moment where we saw the guy getting fired because he had worn a turtleneck to dinner with Mr. Hart Mm -hmm. just to set the stakes for why it was so important for Vision to make sure that dinner went well. It's the same thing here, right? We're setting the stakes for why it's so important for Wanda to make sure that their magic act works because otherwise Dottie will banish her to the cornfield of not being allowed to chair a committee in this neighborhood association. God, Emma Caulfield has just straight up not aged. She's so perfect. She uh, she also says, perhaps foreshadowingly, that the devil is in the details, Bev. Yes, she says it very ominously in a way that definitely gives to your suspicion that she might be Mephisto. Mm. And Agatha Harkness leans over and she's like, that's not all the devil's in. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. (laughs) Yes, she does. Agnes is about three sheets to the wind at this point. Yes, Agnes does not know, she says, how anyone does these meetings sober. And this is why she is my favorite. <laughs> She's al- This is also kind of her abandoning Wanda a bit here, which gives Wanda a chance to, I don't want to say hook up with Geraldine, but... Connect with her. Yeah. Geraldine is on her other side. You know, Agnes is on her left and Geraldine is on her right. Which I bring up because I, this is one of those shows where I don't know what detail is irrelevant and what detail is going to matter later. Mm-hmm. But when Agnes first met her last episode, she said, I'm your neighbor to the right. And now she's sitting on her left and Geraldine is sitting on her right. Hmm. I don't know if that matters. Don't know if that means anything. But that's what's happening. <laughs> Geraldine tells her that she likes her pants. Her pants are peachy keen. Hmm. And Wanda is relaying her, you know, nervousness and feeling like she's not dressed appropriately. And, you know, on TV, 
When people are in meetings, or at the movies, or at a play, and they're just having a full-on conversation with the person next to them, and I'm like, okay, it's just a convention of the medium, I can't think that they're actually talking like that during a movie, or I will lose my mind looking at you, Gilmore Girls, no. so rude. Yeah, how does anyone in Stars Hollow enjoy a movie? But like I said, I'm like, it's just a convention of the medium, I have to pretend it's like... A soliloquy in Shakespeare where the rest of the characters cannot hear this. But here, Dottie does in fact hear it and tells them to shut up multiple times. It is great that the normal sitcom trope of this sort of aside is ignored. Like, they are being rude right now, even though Dottie is being massively unreasonable about everything. Wanda, at one point, claps at the wrong time. Like, it seems like Dottie has cued them up to, you know, everyone should give themselves a round of applause and Wanda starts clapping and Dottie's like, when it's appropriate. Yeah. Emma Caulfield is eating up this role. I love her so much. I feel like we could conceivably spend, at least for the two episodes we've seen, a fair amount of time just talking about how much we love these actresses. Yeah, that's not inaccurate. Oh, speaking of conversations where it's really weird to have a conversation, we go to the Vision meeting the Neighborhood Watch at the library. It has a real men's lodge feel about it. It does, but it's not like a reading room or a gathering room at a at a library, which they have. They're like right in the middle of the stacks, but they're at like a conference table that's set up right in the middle of the stacks. And they've got like food and coffee. Um, it's... It's... It's unsettling. It's another detail that is designed to be unsettling. You're like, you shouldn't be sitting and having a meeting like this in the middle of the library. You shouldn't have food and drink like this around all of the books. Like, this is not right. This scene should be at a men's club or something like that. Hmm. Uh, you know, a... Elk's Lodge. Yes, exactly. Those Those lodges that were ubiquitous in in old sitcoms so that guys would have somewhere to go although the reason that one of the reasons that it can't be that here is because the vision needs to be able to show up and be told that this meeting is members only Mm. so it does need to be in sort of a public place exactly and also again you know vision needs to be ostracized vision needs to be made the outsider so that he can try to make himself fit in so vision takes the role this is normally a trope i associate with women in sitcoms when actually not just women but book clubs women in book clubs where you know a woman is trying to make new friends so she joins a book club and you know she reads the book and she's all super prepared and it turns out that you know book club's just a place to get drunk and gossip and no one actually reads the book yeah, the Neighborhood Watch is not actually about watching the neighborhood or setting up patrols or doing any of that. It's about gossiping and eating danishes. And the vision has more, you know, oh, I, I can't eat jokes and, you know, oh, I mean, I can't eat between meals. <laughs> I never drink wine. So the guys start gossiping about the other people in the neighborhood and trying to fit in. Vision shares his own gossip. And again, the camera turns eerie like it did last week. The lighting behind them gets dim. 
really it's just his face illuminated and he says uh norm here is a communist norm is at the table by the way norm is leading the meeting and everyone's kind of awkward for a few seconds and then they assume it's a joke one of the people at the meeting is the guy who got fired last episode yes yeah they have to assume it's a joke because it's impossible to puncture the sitcom veil that has been laid over everything so something serious like norm is a communist must be a joke to maintain the reality that they're in one of the things i really like about this scene is that vision is still kind of responding like a superhero like when he's asking about the neighborhood watch Mm -hmm. he talks about patrols he talks about security interfacing with law enforcement yeah and uh, when he's trying to shift gears, so, so to, to speak, speak. Uh, into the gossip thing, he says, I, too, have some confidential top secret gossip. Like, he's still talking like he's in that mode. Mm, yeah. Yeah, the Vision is having trouble fitting into the sitcom mold just like Wanda is. And... One of the men around the table offers him a stick of gum because, hey, gum's not food. It's not cheating on your diet that way, Vision. Yeah, it's just mastication. And so Vision gives it a shot and chews the gum, but then accidentally swallows it. And we are treated to an animation of the gum going down his throat and into his stomach and getting wrapped around his gears. It, it really looks like one of those old-timey, like, health shorts. Yes, that, yes, it's what it looks like. It looks like a school film strip. Yes, absolutely. Yep, and the vision is, uh, we'll, we'll see what effect that has on his system processes. Back at the pool party what would you say this is they're they're all all of the women are around a pool the poolside committee meeting Mm. wanda has been assigned cleanup duty because she was misbehaving during the meeting as wanda's cleaning up after the party she uh she turns to dotty and she's like i can't help but feel that i got off on the wrong foot and dotty's like yes you don't belong here there's something about you that's off Yeah, Dottie is calling out the subtext, right? Dottie is making the subtext text. Wanda does not fit in. But Wanda says, I don't mean you harm, which is a weird thing to say. You wouldn't say, I don't mean you harm, if you weren't fitting in in the neighborhood. You would say, I don't mean you harm, if you were a mutant, that the world hated and feared Mm. or in this case because we're not in x-men we're in avengers land we're in mcu land you were an avenger who had flattened a whole city as she did and she she specifically says i don't mean anyone harm and Dottie says i don't believe you and then the radio which has been on it's been on and it's been playing music in the background but it turns staticky And then someone starts calling out for Wanda. Yeah, he says, Wanda, can you hear me? And Dottie hears it, and it freaks her out. 
it's different from the last episode when everything broke because Mrs. Hart didn't seem to realize what was wrong. She got stuck in a loop where she couldn't move past the sitcom format even though her husband was choking. Right. Dottie does break out of it. Weirdly, what brings her back... Uh, the radio asks Wanda, who's doing this to you? And the glass that Dottie was holding, the glass in her hand, shatters, cutting her palm, which bleeds red in color. And for some reason, this, this disturbing moment is, it's almost as though it's so disturbing that it has to knock Dottie back into the sitcom veil, just the way... Vision bringing up communism before had to knock everyone back into the veil that, oh no, it's a joke. And Dottie just wipes up her hand and says that a good housewife gets blood out of white linen by doing it herself. Yeah. Which is real creepy. <laughs> she formats it like a question. She, she looks Wanda in the eyes and she's like, how does a housewife get blood out of a out of, out of a napkin. Out of white linen. Out of white linen. She does it herself. By doing it herself. You have, you have to put the 60s housewife chipper charm on it. Mm. And then we go to commercial. <laughs> commercial break! Okay. So last time it was a Stark Industries toaster. Yes. I want to point out that it's the same actor and actress who did the toaster commercial doing this commercial. Mm. Presumably there will be a commercial every episode and it will always be these two. Yes. I assume. We assume we, we, we're... Who knows? It could be anything. It could literally be anything. <laughs> I'm so excited for more. I know, me too. So the man and the woman are both in fancy dress. The man has... Uh, the, the product being advertised is a Strucker's watch. You might know Baron Strucker as... And he's an Avengers villain. He worked with Hydra, I think. Yeah, he, he's the he's the guy with the eye patch and the Satan claw. Mm-hmm. Well, the the ad tells us that the two most important accessories a man has is the woman at his side and his watch. And when we zoom in on the glamour shot of the product, you can see that the logo underneath the hands on the watch are hydra it's the hydra logo yeah so so we cut to the talent show for the children as it says on the banner uh the mustache guy who got fired is playing a jaunty tune as two people dance and geraldine appears to be the stage manager she is watching the tap act that's happening currently and says wow they're so good i would hate to follow them but don't worry, Wanda, you'll be fine. <laughs> Wanda is stressed out because Vision has not arrived yet. And when he does arrive, he is, uh... Drunk. Yeah! He's uh, gummed up. Yes, apparently what the gum did was make Vision drunk. And we even get a little animation just to remind us where we see his gears kind of rocking back and forth you know, trapped with the gum around them. <laughs> Vision was playing horseshoes with the boys. He is, he's, he's drunk off his rear end. He's, uh, 
pretty far gone at this point. Wanda wants to tell him what happened with Dottie when she bled, but he can't hear it because he's drunk, and it's too late anyway because it's time for them to go on. So they're being introduced by Dottie, who tells everyone in the audience that, as they all know, this is a talent show. They're raising money for the children. And everybody dutifully repeats, for the children. Mm. And out comes Wanda. Glamour and delusion. Yes. So the talent show, first of all, Vision is hilarious drunk. Yes. This is great. Drunk acting is normally, it's incredibly hit or miss. Mm -hmm. Paul Bettany does such a good job. It's cartoonish, but fun cartoonish. There's some really bad drunk acting out there, and Paul Bettany is not doing that. I mean, he's the kind of over-the-top you would expect in a sitcom, so it's okay. And era-specifically. Yes. Yes, he's era-specific drunk. (laughs) He tells them that they are going to show the audience lies, and the audience will love it because of their limited understanding of the workings of the universe, which is what magic tricks are. (laughs) And... So, for the magic show, what happens is Vision doing actual magic things because he is... A synthesoid. Yes. He's using his powers and then Wanda has to use her powers to make it look like... A trick. A trick. Right? So, Vision levitates and then Wanda creates a pulley system for people to see that was levitating him. Vision lifts up a piano, and then Wanda has to make it look like it's actually a flat, painted like a piano. To which, to which Johnson, the guy who was playing it earlier, is like, that was my grandmother's piano. (laughs) Johnson's the mustache guy who got fired in the first episode. Yes. And then finally, Vision takes his hat and passes it through his body. He turns his body insubstantial and pulls the hat out the other side of his chest and Wanda uses her magic to make the curtain fall down and mirrors appear and everyone's like oh oh they did it with mirrors and Bev's like is that how mirrors work <laughs> okay that for that line of the episode yes is well, that how mirrors work one of the things I've really liked about WandaVision is sort of a resurgence of memes because I feel like there's a lot of since COVID, I feel like we've seen kind of a decrease in cultural touchstone memes. Yeah. I feel like we haven't had any cultural touchstone since, well, okay. I feel like we had Tiger King and we had baby Yoda and I think that's it. Yeah. And I've been seeing a lot of like memification of stuff from WandaVision, which is, it's it's good. It's fun. It's it's nice. I haven't really seen any stuff with the mirror thing yet, but... Oh, I'm, I'm sure we will, though. Yeah. Vision also attempts to do a card trick, which ends up being just him throwing all of the cards at the guy. But the very last card in the deck is the one that was his card, mm. thus making it seem like that's what he meant to do. So... They reach the end of the act. They have the uh, the cabinet that one disappears into. Mm-hmm. The cabinet of mysteries. And Vision starts the trick before he puts 
Wanda in the box. He forgot to put her in the box. So he he tells the audience, I'm going to make someone disappear. And Agnes says, could it be someone named my husband, Ralph? Who we have never seen. Like, he is already a character who has never appeared. So that's such a perfect meta line. He's the Lars of the show. Yes. From the Mary Tyler Moore show. Yes. Or... Stanley from Will and Grace. Or Maris from Frasier. Yeah, the ghost is a fairly standard sitcom trope. Yes. Since Vision has not put Wanda into the box before he started the trick, Wanda... Pulls Geraldine into the box magically. Yes, so they open the box and Geraldine is magically there. She doesn't know how she got there, but a magician never reveals his tricks, so... I want to point out, this is in no way a trick. They could they just wheeled out the box. She could have been there the whole time. She could have been there the whole time. But just like the last episode where they acted like the dinner went perfectly even though they didn't eat anything. Everyone acts like, oh, this went perfectly. You pulled it off. Yeah, well, and, and everyone does say that this magic act was incredible and... They even have the moment where Dottie stands up and says, we've never seen anything like this on our stage. And Wanda's like, oh, I'm so sorry. And Dottie's like, never seen anything so amazing. Because that's how sitcoms end. They just end. Everything just gets resolved. And Wanda uses her powers to magic the gum out of Vision. Yes, when she realizes what's going on, and he is back to normal now. After making a sitcom-level pun, well, that really gummed up the works. I've noticed that there are, sort of, in general, there's a lot less, sort of, jokey interplay between Wanda and Vision in this episode. Yeah, there's a lot less focus on the two of them as a couple, and I think that's part of what you were talking about before, where they get out of the house. You know, earlier, it was just those three sets. But now we have Wanda interacting with the women at the meeting. We have Vision interacting with the men in the neighborhood watch. They're getting out of their household comfort zone. And for both of them, they passed the tests, so to speak. But the stakes of them being exposed as not normal and not fitting in were raised. Hmm. Yeah. And again, they were separated last episode. I just feel like there's a lot less interplay between the two of them this episode because this episode is more about establishing their own separate supporting casts. Yes, that as well. Definitely. Uh, So Dottie calls them on stage to give them an award for best comedic performance. And Wanda... Brings Geraldine on stage with them, since she was the person who came out of the box. Should we talk about Geraldine some here? Okay, so Geraldine... Th- 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 this is a spoilery podcast. I-, I think we mentioned it in the first episode, but not in this one. Here be spoilers. So Geraldine, and we know this simply because of how she's credited online, in this episode, she's called Geraldine, but online, this actress is credited as Monica Rambeau. A.K.A. the first female Captain Marvel. Yes. So, 
that's out there. <laughs> yeah. An important thing to keep in mind. She's also the only Marvel Captain Marvel who has nothing to do with the Kree. Oh. Do you think that's going to be relevant here? Or is that just a thing that you're bringing up? I- I'm just bringing it up here. I don't know if it's going to be relevant or not. They skipped like four Captain Marvels to get to Carol to do Carol first for the MCU. So Yeah, yeah. There are a lot of people who aren't thrilled that Monica was first introduced as a little kid in Carol's movie. Okay, so normally that would have made me angry and, you know, whatever. But the fact that they... I I mean, if we take as a given that Carol's movie was the one that was going to be made, I don't think it necessarily should be a given. But if we do take that as a given, I'm glad they introduced her as a child because that movie was set in the 90s and now we can have adult Monica Rambeau in the MCU proper. Yeah. But, I mean, I understand why people were mad about that, because Monica was Captain Marvel first. Yeah. She led the Avengers. She was a big deal for a while. And Monica she... Rambeau is the only character who has led the Avengers, but never had her own solo book. Mm. I wonder why. I wonder what it could be about Monica Rambeau. God, she's such an amazing character, too. I love her character. Honest to God, the main thing I hope... Well, I mean, there's a lot of things I hope we get out of this. One of them is that I really, really want a Next Wave show. Oh my goodness. I was going to say Next Wave movie, but it seems like they sort of have more liberties to play around with format in the TV shows. Yeah, I think so. So I would love it if they spun her off into a Next Wave TV show because Next Wave is amazing. Agreed. So, back at home, Wanda and the Vision get to be themselves again and not worry about fitting in. And they repeat again that this was all for the children. And uh, Wanda's like, oh, you know, I think the children might need some popcorn. And when she stands up from the couch, she realizes that she's pregnant. Like, Six months pregnant and showing. Like, noticeably pregnant. (laughs) Yep, she went from not pregnant to definitely pregnant. Vision is very excited about it. He leans in to kiss her and the scene starts getting dark. And he hears the sound on the window and he says, oh, that tree branch again. They go outside and they see that the manhole cover down the street is shaking. And it opens and something rises out from it. Someone in a beekeeper costume surrounded by bees. Okay, so we all know the first place to go with this, right? It's AIM. Because the henchmen in AIM wear beekeeper costumes. It's like their thing. The thing is, like, it's a beekeeper costume, but it's not exactly the AIM costume. And there are actual bees. It could be Swarm. It could be Swarm. We mm-hmm. saw Baron Strucker. Uh, Swarm is a character who worked with Baron Strucker. He's a he's a Nazi made out of bees. But I don't know. There's a lot of places this can go. This was the main thing I saw memes about, specifically the Arrested Development thing. You know, they, they don't let you have bees in here. They don't let you have bees in here. And indeed, Wanda does not let him have bees in here. No, she pulls a funny games, and she's like, "Nope, not gonna happen." And the show rewinds, so we're back to the moment where Vision was leaning in to kiss her. This, by the way, is the main reason I think Wanda's the one who's trapped them in here. Unknowingly, but the reason I think Wanda has done it. What I like is, again, it's it's like the last episode where when she says no, 
she drops the effect. She mm. drops the effect that she has had. And she's changed affects since the first episode. The first episode, she was Laura Petrie. Now she's Elizabeth Montgomery. But she's not doing the sitcom voice, as you say. Now she's, she's Wanda when yeah. she says, you know, no, this isn't happening. It back and, and, and like you said, it rewinds to the two of them. The moment right before uh, they were about to kiss when things initially started getting dark. Except this time. Yeah, this time they do kiss and things get in color. Starting with Vision. Vision's face turns red. Uh, like, the coloring of his face, not like he blushes. It, his, his face gets its color. Yeah. And then a wave washes over the set and now they are all in color okay i love i love 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 the way the outfits change just by the addition of color because you see vision vision was wearing a striped sweater before and you see it's in the classic vision colors it's in the green and yellow and you sort of see how wanda's outfit calls to the classic scarlet witch outfit the the sort of red under thing with the, uh, like, over. With a bolo sweater. Yeah. Yes. And what I love is that it's a bold red, which is what you would expect for Wanda Maximoff. But also, it was strange that she was wearing pants. People were commenting because she was wearing pants. But when you see it in color, that outfit is indeed striking. That would be an outfit that people would notice. Not just because it's pants, but because it's so bold. Yeah, I mean, it looks really good. <laughs> I, I don't like how much ancillary materials, I'm mostly looking at you, Marvel Puzzle Quest, have her in, like, the weird black dress, red overcoat thing she had for ten seconds in Age of Ultron before getting a real costume. Well, I mean, that's great because it's a gift to cosplayers. Yeah. Like, it's a really simple outfit, but I'm like, she got an actual costume at the end of the movie. Don't put her in the thing she was, I mean, granted, she was in it for most of Age of Ultron, but put her in her actual superhero costume. So Wanda and the Vision kiss again, this time in color, and we get the hex iris out again that we got before. And as we go to black, we hear the voice that we heard over the radio saying, Wanda, who's doing this to you? End of episode! God, it gets you. It gets you. And see, the thing is, I'm so hyped, even though there are so many terrible directions this can go. Let's not. I said it last time. I'm saying it this time, too. Let's not buy problems yet. Let's just enjoy. Let's just enjoy the moment of having this great show. Well, I, I, I'm not saying like ways that can ruin it narratively. I'm saying... A Year in the Life ends with just Wanda and Vision married and with two kids. Mm -hmm. But we know that this is borrowing from later Avengers stories, too. I've heard some stuff about later episodes that indicate that they're going to start borrowing from the later Visions miniseries, which is about the Vision creating his own wife and children and trying to set them up in the suburbs because he thought that the issue with uh, his previous attempt in the family was that he didn't have enough control over it. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot of people who are Vision fans aren't super into that. It was it was an incredibly well-received book. I think it's very well-written. It does not do the Vision any services as a character. Mm-hmm. He comes off as 
deeply disturbing. And you kind of wonder why none of the other Avengers are like, hey, dude, it's kind of weird that spoiler alert for the recentish Vision series. It's weird that you created a version of your ex-wife with your ex-wife's brain patterns that you could control. Well, nobody called out Hank Pym, so... Wait, 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 for what? Because he's been called out for some stuff. Uh, no one called him out for marrying an 18-year-old girl who looked like his dead ex-wife. To be fair, they got married while he was in the middle of a disassociative episode where he thought he was a completely different person who had murdered Hank Pym. So maybe someone should have been like, hey, Jan, don't marry Hank right now. He needs to be in, like, mega therapy. I, well, so I, my point is, and I feel like my point stands here, the Avengers are not known for calling out their members for doing things that they shouldn't be doing. So, Avengers Disassembled was basically a giant character assassination moment for the Scarlet Witch. Yep. Like I was wondering if we were going to have to talk about that. Yeah, and I feel like we're going to have to talk about it more as the show goes on. Mm-hmm. Because... Spoiler alert, Wanda's kids, the twins Wanda had with Vision, get retconned into being parts of Mephisto's soul that she incorporated to make fake babies because blah 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 something something John Byrne. So the Avengers end up, in order to defeat Mephisto, I actually think it was Mr. Hyde, in order to defeat someone, they make Wanda forget that she ever had children. Mm-hmm. Therefore, destroying those parts of Mephisto's soul, therefore defeating whoever. Right. And then they just didn't tell Wanda that she had kids for a long time. Because, oh, the kids weren't real, so pff, whatever. She did find out eventually, and she got over it. And then Avengers Disassembled came around, and they were like, actually, you know what? That drove her crazy! And she's gonna punish everyone because they made her forget. And I'm like, the thing that bothers me about Avengers Disassembled is that it does have the bones of a really good story that is based on what you said. The fact that the Avengers don't take care of their own ever. Like, it is, they're, they're a group of people who are basically stuck together by virtue of having the best superpowers and needing to save the world all the time. Oh, I thought you were going to say they were stuck together by virtue of their own ongoing books being on hiatus. Like, the Avengers are just whoever isn't busy right now, and it shows. Yeah, historically, the Avengers is a dumping ground for characters who don't have their own solos while they're waiting for their own solos. And and I'm not saying, I'm not trying to be, like, cute and meta here when I say that. I'm not trying to, like, do a Deadpool thing here where I'm like, oh, the greatest superpower is being popular so nobody can kill you off. No, I'm saying literally, like, they're cycling through members every third issue because books are coming and going. And because of the necessity of cycling through members so often, like, it's... The Avengers is more like a social club that everybody has a card to, and just the ones who aren't busy right now show up, and that's not the way to build a cohesive team that takes care of itself. And honestly, that's that's where Avengers Disassembled has a good point. These are not people who take care of each other. Honestly, these aren't really people who are friends. Mm-hmm. And having that come to a head with, oh... It turns out that all of this stuff has accumulated into 
a meltdown. Yeah. And Wanda's... I, I love Wanda, but Wanda is a solid person to have that... Meltdown? Well, yeah, to be the focus of that. It wasn't well done, and it kind of ruined the character for a really, really long time. Honestly, she still kind of hasn't recovered from it. Mm-hmm. But having her be sort of the linchpin makes sense. Like, of that sort of thing. Having a character who's been really, really narratively punted around. But, I mean, other characters have had similar issues with their treatment at the hands of other superheroes, you know? It would have made sense for Carol to be the linchpin of a story like that. I see, but I think it needs to be Wanda because she's the one who has the specific power set to pull it off. Well, that as well. Yes. Yeah. Like, and and I mean, obviously you could just be like, oh, Carol's energy manipulation has changed so she can create psychic echoes now or whatever. Because it's comic books, you can pull whatever BS. I don't have issues with the bones of Avengers Disassembled. But the execution was not good. It ended up being a whole bunch of really bad stuff about people who have, who are neurodiverse. Like, it ended up just being... Oh, Wanda's crazy. She's crazy. And then that was sort of her thing for the next 10 years. And then they decided they wanted to start using her as an actual character again. But they had to deal with like 10 years of, oh, Wanda like seriously messed up the universe. And all of it again goes back to the retcon where her kids weren't real, which they were. Okay, but even though we have no reason to think this, Mm -hmm. let's move forward with the faith that Disney Plus will sidestep the problems that Marvel Comics had, and this show will continue to be good and do right by Wanda Maximoff. Okay, see, I have- Moving forward in faith. I have faith in that on two fronts. Okay. One, I think they'll, uh, I think that they're going to want Wanda to still be a marketable character after this. Mm Mm-hmm. And two- I am almost, I'm not going to say 100% sure, never say 100%, most I usually go up to is like 82. I'm pretty sure that they're using this as a launch pad for a Young Avengers something. Yes, that makes a lot of sense. Because the Hawkeye series is introducing Kate Bishop. Mm-hmm. We already have Cassie Lang. They laid the groundwork for uh, Teddy Altman for Hulkling in Captain Marvel. Yeah. We know that... Uh, Marvel was working with Skrull uh, refugees. Like, the groundwork has been excessively laid for a Young Avengers property of some sort. So it makes sense for Wanda to have the children that she has. Especially in a format where you won't have questions if they show up as teenagers. Yes, I, I mean, right? If you want to fast age... Some kids put them in a soap opera or a sci-fi show or a sitcom. Yeah. Yeah. Works out. So uh, speaking of comics or sitcoms, let's do our segments. All right. So we're just, for this show, going to talk about which Easter egg we really loved. So Max is going to talk about comics Easter eggs, and I'm going to talk about television Easter eggs. Okay. I've already mentioned mine a few times, but it's the glamour and illusion thing. It's, it's such a, it's a little nod to the comics, and I know it's probably not going to be, but it seems like it might be a hint at Wanda being a mutant again. Mm, that would be great. 
Well, it's the perfect kind of Easter egg, too, because it's one of those things that's cool if you've read the comic, but it takes nothing away if you haven't. Yeah. There's no there's no issue if you haven't read the comic. Uh, so for TV, um, I'm not sure if this was intentional, but the magic show where Wanda is using her magic to make the tricks look fake really closely mirrors an episode of Bewitched where Samantha is working with a stage magician and he is failing. And so she's using her magic to really do the tricks. Yeah. And I I feel like that was a nod to that episode of Bewitched. And then I have a super tiny one. Mm-hmm. When the camera pans around and we see everything going from black and white to color, we just get a quick glimpse of their dining area, mm-hmm. which, like the Stevens's dining area, has a bay window with a bench seat in it. I oh. love that because I that's my dream house will have a bay window with a bench seat in it. So of course I noticed that in the Stevens house, and I noticed it here as well. Did the living room set shift more? I... The living room set was completely different. It was not the Petries. It wasn't the Stevens's either, which is again why I noticed that the dining room that we only see for a second mirrored the Stevens's dining room. Hmm. Yeah, I just, I love the little touches of unreality of just the constantly shifting sets as the universe sort of contracts and expands. Yes. So I guess that's it for this week. Yeah, I guess that'll about do it. We'll be here next Wednesday with who knows what because the show won't even come out for two more days. Uh, How do people watch regular TV? God, Netflix has spoiled us so much. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. This show is partially listener-supported. If you want to be one of the supporters, you should head over to our website, www.welcometotelevision.net, and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, Ryan, Maracruz, Rosa, Javier, Benjamin, Kyle, and Kate. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you could always rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode, or any episode, or any episode of any television show, you should join our Facebook group, Welcome to Television. We can also be contacted at I Love TV Zines on Twitter, or at I Love Television Zines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to Westview. Westview.